Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses Season 7, Episode 21, Project In-Depth, Force Multiplication. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And I'm on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the first of these we're doing. We're going to see how it goes. Um, We want to take one project done by a member of the Writing Excuses team and grill the author of that project in depth about how they conceived it, um, how it how it went, just dig into a lot of the details. This is going to be different for us as a podcast. Instead of us all conversing, it's really going to be more like an interview. And we're going to start with Howard. And, with, and um, we want to warn yeah. everyone, this is going to be spoiler-rific. Yes. Well, and you've been warned already because we... But if you've come in mid-season... Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pause, go read the work, and then come back. That's right. Um, so, force multiplication. Howard... What started you on doing this cycle of the Schlock Mercenary well, storyline? Give us a real, yeah. really quick overview okay, okay. of this storyline. Let me, first. yeah, let me, let me start. Let me start there. Um, the previous book, uh, the cast gets back together with with Petey, the AI at the uh, Galactic Core. Um, they are no longer resource strapped. Um, all their equipment is broken, but things are being repaired, and. And we have reached a nice stopping point between, well, between books and, more importantly, between, you know, trilogy-sized multi-arc things. And so I really imagined this as the beginning of the third Schlock Mercenary box set. And as the beginning of what is probably the last box set um, before I wrap up. Uh, you know, big plots with the mm-hmm. uh, the dark matter entities in right. Andromeda, and so I was looking at this as, uh, you know, as a starting point for that, um, and I wanted to start small, and I wanted to introduce, I wanted to introduce some characters and explore some characters who don't get a lot of coverage, and I had to make sure that Schlock was in the story a lot. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, because he's fun and he's interesting and he's the namesake of the strip. And I get I get criticized by fans when uh, well during the previous during uh, massively parallel, uh, Schlock was featured prominently in one of the storylines and in none of the others. Mm-hmm. And so two thirds or more of the book didn't have Schlock in it, and everybody right. was complaining. And I Schlock thought, well, is I- your Wolverine. Yeah, he's my, he's my, he's my spider Wolverine man. Yes, America. <laughs> okay, so what, what specifically groundwork that, that that tells us where we're going? But what made you want to tell this tor- story with those characters? Why? How'd you pick the characters? Let's say that. How did okay. you pick the characters? This is this this is uh, one of one of Howard's shameful secrets. I picked the characters because I felt like I had not been doing a good job. Uh, representing the female cast members, and I had not challenged myself enough as an author 
writing women's points of view. And so I thought, I am not going to put any of my, uh, my male leads. I'm not going to put Tagon in. I'm not going to put Kevin in. Um, I, Schlock ostensibly you know, uses male pronouns, but he's an alien. Um, Legs is female, and everybody forgets that. Um, so I put Schlock and Legs, uh, and uh, Taylor is uses a male pronoun, but you know, he's a robot. Mm-hmm. But there were no human males in the uh, the cast that that set off. It was it was Bunny, it was Paraventura, it was uh, Catherine, um, and then there was uh, you know Shep's mom mm-hmm. uh, featured in there importantly. And when we ran into um, our our big antagonist. Uh, we had a couple of male antagonists, but the most competent of the, ma- of the antagonists was uh, uh, Major Murtaugh of Sanctum Adroit, who was female. Okay. So. And did you wind up bringing men in later in the storyline? Yeah, men, men, came in, men came in later because I felt like if everybody who gets introduced who's important to the story is female, I'm tipping my hand a little as to what it is I'm challenging myself with, um, and it just wouldn't feel natural. Um, but uh, I, I ask because that's one thing that I see people do sometimes is that they overcompensate, and it right. sounds like you caught yourself doing that. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, I knew the 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 justification for their travel was that they were going to visit Shep, who is who who is male, and so mm-hmm. I knew Shep was going to come into the story. But I also knew that when I introduced him, um, I could not put him in a position to save the day. Right. Um, I did put. Uh, uh, I forget his name. Tino, mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was Tino. Mm-hmm. I put Tino in a position to save the day, who was a random grunt that they sort of drafted for the last run, um, but it didn't feel like that was uh, that. That didn't. It didn't feel wrong. It's it just. It felt. It flowed from the story right, and uh, uh, I was very happy, especially since all of the female characters had done really, really important things in, tor- in terms of moving the story forward. So aside from forcing yourself to write some uh, female perspectives, how did having a an, an non-male cast change the story you were telling or affect the story that you were telling? Well, the first thing that I did is uh, most of my male characters will solve problems by uh, punching somebody or blowing things up. And so I looked at the women and said, all right, I want these to be people, not because they're female, but because of their backgrounds. Uh, Para Ventura is a roboticist. She's not going to solve problems by, rolling, by blowing things up. She's going to solve problems by reprogramming things. Uh, the, the doctor is a former exotic dancer and a doctor. And she's not going to solve things by blowing things up. She's going to solve things by administering appropriate medical attention or maybe drugging somebody or maybe doing a little dance. Um, <laughs> Getting a little uhura <laughs> thrown in there. I was okay. Like, Surely she uses that. <laughs> yeah. Well, she does. She does use it, and we we use it uh, off panel because the the exotic <laughs> dance you imagine is far better than the one I can draw. <laughs> um, and then Catherine is uh, ex UNS uh, intelligence analyst. She's not going to solve problems by blowing things up. She's going to solve problems by being smarter than the other guy and by putting the chess pieces in place such that other people are blowing things up that I need blown up and we can just scoot through untouched. All or right. at least that was, the, that was the approach in my head. When the story started unfolding, at some point everybody's carrying guns. 
It's mm. stock market day. Things have to blow exactly. up. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Shots. Exactly. Um, my next question <clears throat> for you is, we get a lot of questions about this, so dig into how you chose the setting for this okay. story and how you named the things that you needed to name specifically in this story. Okay. I had, a, I had great fun with the setting. The first thing that I needed to do is I needed to get these people away from reinforcements. Okay. Because I wanted to tell a story with an ensemble cast that was a small ensemble, and in order for them to shine, they can't call for help and have somebody sweep in and save the day. Um, but it needed to be an environment where they could get into big trouble. And so I envisioned um, a uh, company town is, the, mm -hmm. is, is kind of the, the role model I, I looked at. Um, we have orbital mining taking place, and we have a company town built out of you know, enormous uh, shipping containers, you know, city-sized shipping containers that have all been stitched together and you know, built into a town, built into a city. You know, this city has you know, the population of modern-day Manhattan, I'm sure, um, and we're not going to be in anything more than you know, a tiny borough of it. Um, but uh, w once I decided on that, I thought, well, what's, what's going on here that's interesting? And what's going on that's interesting is, and this is why we have you know, the spoiler warning at the head of the episode, um, we have uh, the UNS has decided to deliberately leak medical technology to these folks in such a way that it's crippled because they want to see what happens with this technology in an impoverished environment. They want to see how it affects the economy. This is, uh, this is the worst sort of you know, government social engineering we can imagine, where they say, hey, let's take the ability to give everybody fantastic health care, and let's see what happens if we force them to just get a little of it, and they have to pay too much for it. What does that do? When did you decide that was what your plot At was? At the very beginning. OK. At the very beginning, I knew that was happening, and then when and, but of course, I couldn't reveal that as the first right. uh, first reveal of the villains. The, uh, uh, the you know the reveal of that was much later. Um, what the reader sees is that there's you know drugs being disseminated, and we've never seen you know this particular brand name before. And what does it do? And schlock, why are you licking that bottle? Stop that! <laughs> you don't know where that's been. Yeah, it tastes kind of funny. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, book of the week this week. Um, I'm going to pause and um, do the book of the week, which is appropriate because it is also a funny story, much like Howard's. You like that? You seg, flatter guys? me. That's you nice. flatter, you flatter me. That was a good, good yes. seg, and uh, I'll take what I can get. I, I finally read Going Postal by Terry Pratchett. Um, as some of you may know, since I've mentioned before, I'm playing catch up on Pratchett. I discovered it maybe five or six years ago and have been reading him voraciously ever since. Going Postal is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, it's certainly in the, the top of the Pratchett books I've ever read. Um, it has a very strong character. Um, it is hilarious, and it is a standalone. It's about what happens when a um, con man is given charge of the post office in a large city, told to reinvigorate it, and told that if he doesn't, um, he's going to end up getting executed. <clears throat> and so 
Uh, Going Postal by Terry Pratchett. How can they get a copy? Oh, um, if you will uh, carefully type into the, uh, the URL field of your browser, audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Um, you like how I said that instead of head on out to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was like, you're stalling so we don't get back to more questions. Exactly. <laughs> so you, you need to be using the internet for, for this. Type a W, <laughs> then another W, and then a third a W. A third W. w. Um, you Don't can worry, leave off the HTTP colon. <laughs> you can use. You can leave off the HTTP colon at the beginning if you'd like. Okay, let's let's move. <laughs> Audiblepodcast.com/slash/slash excuse. You can kick off a 14-day free trial membership, and uh, and that comes with uh, a free audiobook download. And you can do Terry Pratchett's Going Postal or any other of the fantastic titles at Audible. All right, let's get back to Howard. Um, more questions for you about structuring your story. I am actually curious about names. Uh, Legs, in particular, catches my attention. I named Legs Legs as a specific uh, feminist joke when she first joined the cast years and years ago. You know, she, her, her name is, uh, uh, gosh, Leela Galini, Lili Golila, or something like that. It's long, you know, alien name with lots of L's and G's in it. And uh, Commander Andreasen says to her, do you mind if we just call you Legs? And we pull back, and we realize that those are her most prominent features. She looks like an ostrich, only extended. And, and she says, that's not just because I'm a woman, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was, a, it was a throwaway gag. And then I realized, well, OK, I've got this alien female in the cast who really doesn't, she doesn't trigger any of the, this looks like a woman uh, right. She looks more like a blue ostrich. Thing. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. You know, most comic book artists, if the alien is a female, she'll have boobs and be shapely in some way, and legs does not do any of that. Eyelashes. I use eyelashes. That's the only indicator. <laughs> so yeah, that's where her name Didn't comes from. Didn't have a bow on her head like Disney uses. <laughs> okay. No. What's fun about that character is that um, the legs she runs faster than anybody else, um, and. You know, she's fun to draw in that way. She doesn't have any forelimbs that are useful, but she has a prehensile tongue. And which is kind of sexist. Which is, sadly, yeah, glossolalia or whatever you call that. Um, and, and anyway, it's, she's a fun alien. She's almost as much fun as, uh, as Schlock in, in many is. regards. She's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, she's always opening doors with her legs and things, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Now, but let's get back to the names. The naming, names yeah. in this particular names in this particular book. Particularly the new characters that you oh. introduced. Okay, um, Paraventura's name uh, came out of a shampoo bottle. Um, I remember looking at the Spanish instructions on a shampoo bottle, and it said Para Usar, and I thought Para Usar looks like, you know, a first name and a last name. Um, and so for a long time, I thought, I'm, you know, I'm going to introduce this character. I'm going to call her Para Usar, which for somebody who does robotics and actual force multiplication through, uh, you know, through, you know, adding robots to the crew, uh, you know, in order to use, seems like a great name. And then I thought, that's a little too on the nose. So I swapped her last name out for Governor Venturas. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and I will warn people, we're going to go a little long on each of these casts for interview because there's, there's so much to dig into. We want to go in-depth. And so we're going to go ahead, and I'm going to ask you, um, this primarily you started this story in order to show some characters. 
In other words, you were trying to explore characters. So how did you balance that versus the plot? Because Swak Mercenary is by necessity a very fast-moving, plot-oriented story. Um, I just made sure that every scene did double or triple duty. And I made sure that the characters who were in conflict were shown being in conflict. You did this consciously? Oh, yeah, I did this. I did this consciously. You know, there's a dialogue happening in one place, and we see Paraventura curled up in a ball in the corner because we've established in previous books she suffers from a little post-traumatic stress. And I knew that part of her plot arc in this book was overcoming post-traumatic stress um, and not overcoming it by, you know, toughing up and saying, all right, you know, now I'm going to pick up a gun and kill things. It's toughing it out by saying, you know what, I need to function, and so I am going to function, and I'm going to reprogram stuff and save the day. Okay. Okay, so. I have a question for you about, uh, about your plot. Basic, specifically, and this, this is going to sound rude, how you made it interesting. Because as you described the conflict to us in the beginning, it's this very kind of heady... Um, mm-hmm. po- you know, political thing with the, a, a, an evil government doing something with healthcare. Yeah, that does not say <laughs> guns and explosions. <laughs> no. And yet, by the time you actually read it, it's actually got a mad scientist and all these big, huge, fat guys hanging in a laboratory. And uh, you I'd know, forgotten that image. Thank you, Dan. Yes, <laughs> fat guys covered with pustules. Now, now, Out of which they're milking. <laughs> how did you go about translating? the very, you know, kind of dry NPR version of that story into the big exciting adventure. How do people get hurt? Mm. When you look at anything you look at, you know, when you look at, you know, oh my gosh, uh, we raised taxes, you know, uh, that's very sterile. How did that hurt people? Go find the story of somebody whose property tax went up to the point that they couldn't afford the property, and because of this other law, they got foreclosed on, and they are now sitting in the front lawn with the teddy bear for the photographer from the news. And, you know, that's the image of, oh, no, we raised property taxes. Um, And, you know, that principle applied, you know, all the way through. I'd think, how does this... How does this hurt people? Hmm. Who is getting hurt? Why are they getting hurt? How are they responding to getting hurt? And so, yeah, we have, we have kidnappings taking place because the, the way in which the drugs were crippled is that they couldn't be mechanically reproduced. Um, they, couldn't be, they couldn't be reproduced by machine. And so the doctor who thinks he has stolen this stuff has to use people to breed the drugs and so you've got uh, the big fat men and the pustule milking machine and the... the and uh, I almost forgotten it again. <laughs> <laughs> your memory it's is very poor. It's not an image that you can get out of your head. Okay, mm, yeah. I have one more question, even though I know we're, we're, we're late here. Way out of time. I just want very quickly to, to talk about Major Murtaugh. Um, as often happens with really good antagonists, she became one of the most interesting characters in the story. How did you do that? In the original outline... Um, when everything, you know, blows up and starts hitting the fan, uh, the folks shooting at the good guys uh, were all going to get wiped out. You know, it was going to be an absolute bloodbath. And then as I looked at character motivations at my two-thirds mark to make sure everything was hanging together, I realized, no, if, if the bad guys had full 100% loyal access to that kind of firepower... They wouldn't be in this mess to begin with. So Sanctum Adroit has to be, you know, lawmakers for hire. There has to be, uh, they're, they're paladins, you know, they're, or Ronin, I guess, is another, uh, another way to look at them. They are honorable, 
mercenaries, but they're mercenary policemen. And once I reached that conclusion, I thought, okay, Major Murtaugh likes her people and she does not like the person she's working for. And if she finds out that he's been breaking the law, she'll just arrest everybody. Um, and, and so starting from that point, I, yeah, I rewrote the ending and realized, oh gosh, I need to find an ending where not nearly as many people die um, because I don't, I don't want, I don't want my, my, I don't want my friends, my friends, my characters that I like, <laughs> running around killing police officers. Okay. So, well, hopefully that was um, useful to you all listening. Uh, we're going to do this next with my book, The Way of Kings. So, be forewarned, it's just a little bit on the long side. So, hopefully, you've That's been reading it if you want to. <laughs> Otherwise, you you don't have to. We'll talk about it in a way that you can. You can pick up on things, um, but we will go in-depth into it, so spoilers will be forthcoming. If I can say one more thing, my process for this book, I mentioned the two-thirds mark. I get to the two-thirds mark, and then my writing group and I do a reread of the first two-thirds mm. and of the outline notes I have thereafter, and we make lists of what are the promises made to the readers. What do we think the book, what, what, what would we feel like the book would be crippled if it didn't have in it? You know, what do we expect to see? Mm. And so I look at those expectations and then I defy them by writing something else entirely that, you know, fulfills those expectations in a new it's a lot of fun. You know, my writing group telling me this would this would really surprise me if this was here. Really? That would surprise you and that's what you picked? Okay. Because I'm gonna surprise you with something else entirely. And that's one of my most fun writing group sessions. We do it now with every book, is we get to the two thirds mark, uh, outline the promises made to the readers, and then write the ending. And of course I do that because I don't have the luxury of rewriting endings and things. I, I do the same thing actually with my, my oh. beta readers. Um, oh. Before yeah. you close this out, mm -hmm. I actually have one question that I, I want to ask you guys too when it, it's your turn in the, the hot seat. What's the thing you are most proud of with this? Like the, the thing that you, you're like, I pulled that off. Wow. Um, I actually I think the, mo the thing I'm the most proud of is that I liked Major Murtaugh a lot. Mm. I really liked her. We're going to see her again, right? Oh, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Um, your writing prompt this week is actually to do this with your own work. Have your friends sit down and interview you about something you're working on and about your process, and hopefully you will become more conscious of how you approach your writing. Uh, which is one of our big goals as Writing Excuses um, podcasters to get you to think about that. All right? So this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.